Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inside of Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Inferior. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy right here, right now, this is what this show is all about. I'm so excited to talk to somebody that I watched when I first became a pro wrestling fan. Huge fan of this guy right here, former WWF Tag Team Champion, champion in life itself, the one and only Mr. Bull Buchanan. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. It's uh, great to have the opportunity to speak with you and learn a little bit about your life, uh, especially in your uh, days as a pro wrestler. Uh, first question usually, Bull, on the show is, before you got into the business, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling? So I grew up in Georgia. And, uh, of course, I watched uh, George Championship Wrestling. I found it when I was seven or eight years old. And uh, one of their big towns was Carrollton, Georgia, which was only a few miles from where I lived. It was a very small town. But my dad, you know, I, I think my dad kind of liked it, you know, but he knew that I liked it. So he would carry me when they came to town, which was every two weeks. And, you know, at that time, you could see Ric Flair. You could see Wahoo McDaniel, Tommy, you know, all these guys. So I just grew up a fan, and uh, I started reading. Uh, I, I figured out that uh, about the wrestling magazines. Yeah, and uh, we had a show. I have a local uh, station down here. It was called Superstars for Wrestling with Joe Petticino. And it started at 6 o'clock on Saturday night and went to 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And it showed Memphis. It showed WCW. It showed WWF, uh, Texas, World Class, Mid-South, um, Memphis, and then usually the last hour was Japan or Puerto Rico. So I just, I grew up a fan and, and uh, I, uh, I really got into the, to the Von Ericks and those guys. And um, I, I just had this vision in my mind of this great life where you just travel from town, town to town, you know, like a bunch of gypsies. And uh, uh, I just made up my mind that, that somehow, some way or somehow I was going to get into it. And that, that's where it started. Right. So it was something that was, you know, as soon as you saw it, it was something that was in your system and you probably couldn't get it out of your system until you finally did it. Uh, what was it that, yeah, how did you go about finding your way into the business? Well, I was a pretty good basketball player, so I had a chance to go play at a, a small uh, junior college uh, close by. So I did that, but I, I, uh, after I got out of there, I started working at a furniture store and some guys in town had been trained and they were running a small show. And I finally just got up the nerve to go over there and, uh, walked in and, uh, you know, started training and, and, you know, I guess the rest is history. Um, but it was just, uh, you know, I finally got up the nerve, uh, to go over there where they were, where were they were training at. And, and it turns out I knew a couple of them. So, uh, you know, they kind of brought me on in. Cool. So, uh, I mean, I guess the training experiences is, is, is it could be different for everybody in, in the wrestling business. I've, I've had a few people on the show. Their experiences have all been very different. Um, but you go through this process. Do you have a story about the first time you actually got in the ring and, and, and had an, your first match? Oh, yeah. 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 My, my story is probably a lot different than, than most people. Um, 
I went there training at night, and I actually knew a couple of the guys there. And I started talking to him, and then this big dude, I mean, like my size, uh, come walking in and, uh, you know, kind of a tough guy, you know, uh, who's this? And, uh, you know, they introduced me. And uh, he said, so you want to be a pro wrestler? Uh, I said, uh, yes, sir. I, yeah, I do. I'd like to. And uh, he just backs up in the corner, unbuttons his shirt, and says, chop me. So I'm thinking to myself, I, I mean, you know, I've seen it a thousand times. I can do this. So I just threw the weakest chop that I could. And uh, he turned me around. He chopped me three times. And after that, nobody ever had to tell me, you know, how to chop again. But uh, we trained in a old, uh, an old warehouse, uh, old warehouse kind of place, which is probably typical. But then they lost that place. So we went and trained for a while in his backyard. Uh, I, he lived out in sticks too. So, you know, we're out in the middle, out there in the sweltering heat, you know, uh, mosquitoes biting us and everything. And then when it got cold, couldn't really train outside anymore. So we moved to an actual barn that actually had pigs and cows and stuff. We put a tarp up so we could, you know, uh, when the smell wouldn't so bad. But we trained in that for a while till the weather got good again. And, uh, you know, then we were uh, back outside. But uh, my first match was battle. Uh, no, my first match was actually the guy that trained me, James Hammonds. Uh, that was my first match in Heflin, Alabama. Uh, I was so scared. I was wearing a leather, a big leather jacket, and uh, I was so scared. I was the baby face, and I was going down the aisle, and people were trying to shake my hand. I was scared to death. I didn't shake anybody's hand. I got in the ring. My head was down the whole time. Um, you know, it was just it was one of those things where God let me get through this. But uh, you know, it just that, that as time went on, it got a lot easier. <laughs> I can imagine, but yes, it's that's kind of a, a similar story to a lot of people for their first match. Uh, sometimes it it can go even re uh, really really bad, but as as long as you got through it, then that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, early in your career, uh, you work with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, what would you say that you learned the most from working yes. for Mr. Jim Cornette? The Smoky Mountain was was what I thought wrestling would be that was the kind of the the ideal i had my i remember uh when i first got into the business my goal was if i could just make 500 dollars a week doing this and not have to work a real job i would be a total success in, in my mind and and you know i did a lot better than that thankfully but um that place was just i mean if you couldn't learn if you couldn't figure it out up there then you know you probably weren't gonna get it because not only did you have jim Cornette who I, I think is still, you know, my, my, one of my mentors, uh, you had guys like Tracy Smothers, dirty white boy, uh, Ricky and Robert, uh, you know, Tommy Rich, Brad, all the Armstrongs. And, and those guys were so willing to, to teach you, you know, and there was a lot of young guys that came out of there, you know, myself, Glenn Jacobs, Kane, uh, Al, you know, Al Snow, um, you know, New Jack Mustafa, uh, Adam Baum went through there. You know, there were just so many guys that went through there as, as a stepping stone, which, you know, I think that's really what Jimmy wanted to be. I mean, you know, I know he wanted to make tons of money at it, but at the same time, you know, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to create new stars and you know, he did there for a whole, you know, basically a whole generation of guys came out of there. Um, but I don't know, man, it, you know, I, to say who I learned most from, 
it would be hard to say, but you know, probably because Jim Cornette, we were, I was a part of his stable, you know, the, uh, the, his army. Uh, so it was me, him, Tommy Rich, Buddy Landale, another guy, Buddy Landale, uh, you know, we, we were in the stable and it, it was just so easy to learn. And Cornette was with me all the time. So, you know, between Cornette and Tommy Rich, you know, cause I'd rode with Tommy Rich from Georgia. We would make the trips together and, uh, and we'd usually pick up Brad Armstrong and he'd ride with us. So riding with those two and, 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 and then working those, you know, working with Tommy as a partner and working against Brad on, you know, a lot of nights of the week. I mean, hell, you know, you, you got to learn something. <laughs> exactly it's 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 all oh, that- oh, 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 sorry i'm sorry i'm at terry gordy i oh, can't forget terry terry gordy is one of my favorites of all time uh and i got to work with him and tag with him and you know uh you know unfortunately it was it was later on after he had the stroke but uh man he was still just you know even even at part throttle man he was just wide open i mean he stand on the outside of the, it was so uh it was so uh, uh, cool because, you know, I don't think it's any secret after he had the stroke, you know, it, it kind of slowed his speech down a little bit. And, uh, but there was one night there and, and Jimmy just got him, you know, fired. Come on, let me see that old Terry Gordy. And he went nuts in the ring and cleared the ring. I'm standing on the outside thinking, holy shit, you know, this is my hero in here, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, between those guys, if you couldn't learn, just, you wasn't going to learn. Absolutely. I, I always say things like that. It, it's mathematical. You know, if you you add yourself plus a Brad Armstrong over several days of, you know, of a month, it, there's no way you're not going to get any better. You know, you, it's, it's, it's going to yeah, help. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, and I, and I, and, you know, people say, well, he didn't get much better. No, I really did. Cause I was green. I mean, I was really green at that time. Uh, you know, I watched some of my stuff back from Smoky Mountain. And it's, you know, I'm sitting there like cringing. It's like, oh, God, I didn't know I was that bad. <laughs> you know, but I'll tell you how I got there. Uh, I started in, uh, I didn't start, but uh, by six months into the business, I got with uh, the same guys that had that same wrestling, that six radar wrestling block on Saturday nights. Joe Petticino had still had the wrestling show. And one of the promotions on it, that was, it was Memphis, Smoky Mountain, and it was uh, North Georgia wrestling. Uh, it was local live Atlanta. So I went up there, uh, got a pretty good push up there. New Jack Mustafa, that's where I met those two. We got to be friends. And uh, when they went to Smoky Mountain, you know, they told Cornette, hey, there's a big kid down there and he does a great leg drop because I was doing the flying leg drop as it was finished even back then. So, uh, uh, when they came to uh, Cornette would come down and he would do a show in Cobb County Civic Center in Georgia. And he would usually have at least one WWF guy. I think one time I had Randy Savage against, you know, one of the Smoky Mountain guys. But it was always Lex Luger was there one time. So it was usually a pretty good draw and everybody wanted to be on it, you know, that was in North Georgia. So New Jack Mustafa were on it there a couple of times. And then I guess it came my turn because I was the heavyweight champion at the time. I was getting, they were giving me a really good push. Uh, so me and a guy named Lee Thomas, who's just a, a phenomenal worker around here in Georgia, uh, we went out and we uh, had a pretty good match. And I hit the leg drop. And I mean, you know, I got some, I was still young then. I got some good height on it. And I uh, came to the back and Jack had told, you know, Jimmy, hey, you need to watch this kid. 
And sure enough, he did. And uh, I came back. He said, I've never seen the leg drop that good outside of Bobby. And I took that as a damn compliment. And I said, well, yes, sir. And, uh, made a trip to Puerto Rico real quick. And uh, then uh, I came back uh, and I got a phone call from Jim. He said, hey, I want to bring you in. So That is super cool to hear. And that is a great compliment because, uh, you know, there weren't many better than Bobby Eaton, that's for sure. Um, uh, yeah, uh, no. Uh, in my research, I found this to be quite uh, interesting. Just wanted to see what your thoughts were on it. Uh, some may not know this, but uh, in my research, it states that in 1996, you wrestled two matches in ECW as one half of the Dark Riders with bad boy Billy Black uh, working with the Eliminators. Uh, what was the experience at the ECW arena like for you? So this was after Smoky Mountain shut down and uh, Cornette uh, had told me, they said, Hey, listen, kid, keep working and I'll get you a, uh, try to get you a job up there. And I, of course, you know, sorry, my bull here's horning in. Uh, so I, I was off that time and, uh, uh, a good friend of mine, Ted Allen, uh, wrestled as not, he was actually one of the original nightmares. I think even, I think actually before, uh, buddy Wayne came along. I think it was him and Danny Davis uh, for a minute down here in Georgia. Uh, I think it was always the other two in Memphis. But, uh, yeah, he was keeping me alive with uh, – and I was doing okay on indie bookings because I had that Smoky Mountain rub. But uh, Ted was keeping me alive moving jobs. And uh, Billy Black, uh, great worker, great worker. Uh, his uh, second-generation worker. Uh, you can find him uh, a lot of stuff over – in- uh, uh, wanted me and Joe was I, I couldn't make the shot, couldn't make it. And uh, he said, "Hey, uh, you want to go to ECW with me?" And I said, uh, "Yeah." I mean, because that was the, that was the hot thing at the time, you know. And I was like everybody else. Hell, I you know, fuck yeah, I want to go there. But you know, it was after the thing with New Jack, and and I knew that. Jimmy and uh, Paul, you know, had a little friction or, you know, I don't, I don't know really what it was, but anyway, they weren't on great terms at the time. So I did call Jim Cornette and I said, Hey, uh, is it going to you know be a thing? You know, if I go up there and work and he said, absolutely not go up there and take his money. And I said, all right. So, uh, me and Joel or me and, uh, uh, uh Billy went up there. And, uh, yeah, we did a, a house show, and I think we did a handicap match against, e, e, I think it was Ian Rotten, Ian or Axel Rotten. And then uh, and I actually met Ray Mysterio. I think, he, God, he was probably 17 at the time, maybe. I mean, he was still young. I uh, met Ray Mysterio that weekend. But we went up, and uh, did, and then we had the match with Eliminators, and, uh, you know, we I pulled. If anybody can ever get a hold of the whole match, man, I pulled out every move. I, I mean, I did like a – Huge elbow drop off the top, big leg drop. I did skin the cat back over the, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I pulled it all out, and Paulie liked it, uh, and he was planning on bringing us back. So you know, Cornette had promised me that uh, that I would get he would try to get me a job, and uh, I got home and I'd been home a couple of weeks. You know, there but the the plan was to bring us back at the next taping. Uh, I guess. Uh, I got home. I got a call from Cornette and uh, answered the phone. He said, uh, he said, well, you ready to go to work, kid? 
And I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, he said, there's contract in the mail coming to you. And I said, you're, you kidding me? He said, Nope. I said, you know, how'd you, how'd you do that? I, I mean, you know, I mean, it was just you know, a little bit of a front. And uh, he said, I TV and I told him, I said, Hey, that big kid, you, you know, I told you about I had smoking mount. He said, yes. He said, uh, he went over to uh, work for Paulie this weekend. He said, sign him. <laughs> so that's how, you know, kind of in a roundabout way, I got my contract with, uh, with Vince, but I, I have to tell you, it was actually, I had, I thought about it for a while. I, you know, not too long, but I mean, I did have to sit and think about it and because I didn't know at the time, you know, Vince likes to make his own stars. He loves the fact that he can say that he, he built you from scratch. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there was a, looking back on it, there was an opportunity for me to go to ECW and probably, you know, make a name for myself there and then maybe, you know, jump, you know, of course, after everything went down. But, you know, uh, but yeah, ECW was great, man. I really had to think about it because, you know, at the time that was the cool thing and, you know, everybody wanted to be, most people wanted to be there. Uh, and, and it was, you know, and there again, New Jack was a new, new Jack Mustafa were there. So, you know, that, you know, as soon as uh, Billy called him up and uh, said, hey, you know, he works down here with us in Georgia, you can ask Jack Mustafa. Of course, you know, they said, yeah, bring him up. So, yeah, that's the, that's the ECW story, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. And I, I love how that kind of, uh, you know, uh, blended into you going to the World Wrestling Federation. And I uh, wanted to ask you about this fifteenth uh, of September, nineteen ninety six, in Nashville at a house show. Uh, you take on Freddie Joe Floyd, who many may know as Tracy Smothers. Uh, in my research, this was the first time that you worked on a WWF show. Um, if 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 it's true, uh, please tell me about the experience you know and 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 how you think it went. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Uh, so, uh, I signed with, uh, I, I, they, they sent me a, well, I guess, you know, I think looking back on it, I mean, I might be, I think uh, a couple of guys might've been getting a little help down in Smoky Mountain. I, I think maybe Glenn did, or I know that Smoky Mountain was a feeder system for WWE also, but you know, uh, Jared had the relationship with him for years. So I think actually maybe me, uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson, Rocky, and uh, um, Bart Sawyer might have been the first developmental guys the WWE ever had. Uh, you know, they gave us, you know, uh, I think it was maybe 500 bucks a week, which at the time was a lot more than I was making. So, uh, but we went down to Memphis and, but it, you know, Memphis didn't have the, the full, they didn't have the training facility and you went down there and you kind of learned on the job if you didn't know. But at that time, Rocky had worked a couple of matches. I'd been working for a couple of years then. And, uh, you know, Bart, I think he'd been working, you know, four or five, six years at the time. He was a friend of Roddy Piper. Um, and of course, Roddy at that time was still with, the, uh, with New York. And so, you know, he kind of helped get Bart in. So we all went down there to get, or we all showed up. You got to know each other down there, but uh, but yes, uh, they were in they was a house show coming to Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, Lawler come to me backstage at TV and said, "Hey, uh, you're uh, you're on the Nashville house show," 
And I said, you know, oh, hell, that's great. And uh, but I didn't know who I was working. And uh, I got there and uh, Tracy, uh, Fred Joe Floyd, Tracy came up to me and said, hey, brother, we're working. You can't believe the weight that came off my back because I'd worked with Tracy a thousand times in Smoky Mountain. You know, I I knew his, you know, his deal and he knew mine. So, yeah, but we went out there and I, from what I can remember, we had a pretty good match. Uh, but yeah, it was my first time and, oh man, it was great. You know, uh, being back, Renee Goulet was still a, was still a, a road agent, uh, you know, I uh, got to meet him and, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, man, it was real cool. That is cool. I knew that that was kind of going to be what the, the story would be because every time I've had someone on the show, they always sing the praises of one Tracy Smothers. Um, so, uh, good to hear that that went well for you. Um, eventually, you make your TV debut for the WWF under the Truth Commission gimmick uh, with the Jackal Don Callis, uh, Tank, who some may know as Mantar, uh, of course, Kurgan, and Sniper. Um, how did you like working with these guys, and and what did you think of the gimmick? Uh well, I mean, I, I was, you know, I thought to myself when we first started being a South African soldier, I was like, well, that's a stretch, but, you know, uh, that's what you do in this business. You kind of adapt to whatever they need. And uh, so we all met up in uh, up in uh, New York uh, at the old training facility where uh, uh, I think there's some videos out there of Mark Henry training there and, uh, you know, his old warehouse where they made all the props and uh, they had a ring set up out there and Dr. Tom Pritchard was, was you know, doing training. So we went up there and actually before Don Callis, it was uh Robin Smith was the original commandant. Uh, the deal was Brett Hart, Brett went over to uh, South Africa and made a Sinbad uh, episode. And Robin was a, a part of, he was a voice guy and he was an actor and he, he was actually fairly popular in uh, South Africa. And they met on the set and, you know, got hanging out a little bit and they cooked up this idea from what I understand uh or you know it kind of you know they talked about it it was actually based on uh uh the south african truth commission which was set up after apartheid to investigate all the uh atrocities that occurred well the 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 wrinkle on that is it was as corrupt as the day is long you know everybody knew it, it was just blatantly obvious it was corrupt so that was the whole idea behind the gimmick you know that you know we were just as corrupt so uh, we went up there, and Robin actually was in the military, so he taught us how to march and do the whole thing. And uh, then they sent us down to Memphis, and, uh, uh, you know, they gave us a great push down there. Uh, me and Kurgan won the tag belts a few times. Um, but, you know, we were, we were kind of – we were down there, we were down there, and we were like, oh, you know, when are we going to go up? And then finally they, uh, they brought us up. We did a – I think we did a shotgun Saturday night. I don't know if it was a dart. I think it was shotgun Saturday night. Uh, we did. And, uh, and then they were going to bring us back up. And, uh, I got a call from Mantar and he said, Hey man, what, you know, what's the, what's the deal? I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't have a ticket. I'm, I'm not going. And, uh, you know, be honest with you. I, n I never really found out what happened there. Uh, cause they let him go shortly after, um, uh, but this was Bret Hart's gimmick, and uh, a Mantar uh, had met Owen Hart. He had worked over in Germany, and so had uh, actually, you know, the guy that replaced him. But he had done some uh, stuff over in Germany, 
between Mantar and that time, and he'd met Owen Hart over there. And I think when Brett was, you know, trying to find Kurgan was uh, Kurgan had trained over at uh, Brett's place, over at uh, Stu's place. I think he trained there some, so he already knew him. So of course, you know, the giant killer. Uh, and then uh, Owen said, "Well, hey, you know, I worked with the Mant- you know, Mantar over in uh, over in Germany." So okay, there we got that guy. And then from what I understand, I guess you'd have to ask Brett. You know, they were just kind of looking through uh, some photos and stuff, and I popped up in there, and at the time I had the little uh, GI haircut, and he said, you know, he's perfect for it. So, uh, but we get down there, and, uh, you know, then finally we get we get the call up, and then somehow, uh, you know, whatever happened with that with uh, Mantar, but we get to the arena that day, and we get introduced to uh, uh, Luke Poirier, who had been uh, a huge star over in Germany for Otto once uh, as Rambo. So he did a dark match. I think he did dark match so w- one week, and then the next week uh, he was our other uh, member. And so actually when we finally got on TV, you know, most of the people never saw Mantar. Uh, if, if you watch Shotgun Saturday now, I think there's a match two on there. But by the time we – well, I tell you, you know, like I said, you got to look at the timeline of this whole thing. Brett was our benefactor. This was his gimmick. This was his ideal. And, uh, you know, he he's the one that carried it to, to Vince. Vince liked it. Uh, but that was right at the time that uh, the Montreal deal went down. Right. So we knew – I think we already knew that Brett was leaving. I think we knew. Or at least we knew that he was talking, you know, to Bischoff. So uh, – yeah. Oh, uh, once that went down, we were like, okay, you know, where does this leave us? And uh, you know, we we had a a little bit of a run, but I, I looking back on it, you know, it was it was uh, that Survivor Series, nice seven Survivor Series was gang warfare. So you know, we had all the factions. We had the Nation. We had the uh, disciples, the uh, bikers. We had the Bariquas, the Puerto Ricans, and you know, of course, us, the racists. So, you know, it was great for the Survivor Series, but, you know, going after that, we were kind of like, and they brought Don in, and Don, you know, just, you know, he had the long hair, and then, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure he'd been willing to cut it, but um, he uh, he took us in another direction, and, you know, like the paramilitary, which we had been, he took us in kind of the cult direction, which, you know, I thought was a great idea and, uh, uh, because we had to do, you know, something a little different, but, uh, yeah, about that point, you know, we were all like, okay, this might be running its course. You know, I don't know how much leg, how how much, you know, legs this is going to have under it, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we stressed it out for a little bit. So, eh, and the guys were, were the best, uh, you know, I guess when it's all, you know, because, that was the first time I was really on the road with WWF and, and that was the same for all of us, you know, so we were all kind of figuring it out as we went along, but man, we, we would have a great time. Uh, you know, we uh, ride together. We, uh, you know, stayed the same places. So, and we just hung out together. So, you know, all those guys were great. And it, it was actually a good time. You know, that's cool to hear. Yes. But I mean, I mean, it must still at the time be so exciting. You're on television. Um, you, you're, you're doing this gimmick, uh, you get to perform in a 15-team battle royal at WrestleMania. 
which is actually yours and uh, Luke or Sniper's final time as the Truth Commission. Um, I yep. wanted to ask you a little bit about <clears throat> your team with Luke uh, Poirier after the Truth Commission, uh, where you teamed as Armageddon. You worked two tapings <laughs> of Shotgun Saturday yep. Night against the Quebecers yep. in Long Island and Dave Weber in Nick Barbary in Albany, New York. Uh, but then Armageddon yep. was no more in the WWF. I'm really interested to know uh, where the idea came from and, and what happened. Um, so, you know, we kind of knew that they were spinning off uh, Don and Kurgan on their own. Uh, so we just kind of thought up the well, – I think Don – you know, Don talked to uh, um, Vince Russo a lot, which we did too. But uh, you know, Don talked to him a lot. I don't, I don't know how much of it uh, uh, was actually input for them because a lot, a lot of the stuff we just kind of, hey, you know, what if we did this and, you know, so they they gave us a little bit of, of freedom there to to try to you know make make something new. Uh, so we went down the road that you know, uh, uh, once uh, Don and uh, Kurgan turned on me and Luke, that we were, uh, you know, he was trying, he was portraying the cult leader. Uh, which I think was was doing well. He was portraying the cult leader, so we portrayed it, you know, like like a cult and, and two members that had got away from it and were trying to tell everybody else, you know, that hey man, this dude's loony and he's got this, you know, monster to take care of his heavy work. So, and we was trying to think a name for it, and I, be honest with you, I don't know really who come up with it. If it was me or Don or 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 Luke or, or if we all came up anyway. We came up with Armageddon, you know, uh, end of the world, that kind of thing. So, uh, and, and, and Russo, uh, we talked, you know, we talked to Russo about it, you know, uh, he actually called us at home. We talked about it and he liked it. So, uh, you know, we thought we'd give it a run, uh, as far as tagging with Luke, man, he was great. Uh, he was a, he, he did, he did stuff that did, you know, I don't see a lot of people do anymore. It was very a classic. I think maybe Edward uh, Carpentier. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right from uh, Canada, because Luke was from Montreal. Uh, I think maybe he had trained under him a little bit, but he was just a phenomenal worker and he was so easy to work with. Such a great guy, so easy to get along with. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we uh, once we you know started really tagging a, a good bit together. Um, we started really, you know, clicking, I think. Right. So um, you guys get to, to do, you go out there a couple of times as this, uh, in, under this new name, Armageddon, but then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's no more. Uh, and then you're, you're working in a music city wrestling and OVW. Um, so you, you just had all this time where you're on television and now you're kind of back to, you know, OBW in, in 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 this kind of territory. Um, how, how much hard work did you have to put in to, to finally get you know given another shot to get back on WWF television? Well, I I just uh, you know uh, uh, Howard Finkel handled travel back then, and uh, you know I didn't get tickets. We didn't get tickets for one week, and then we didn't get tickets for the other week. And of course, and I'm calling. You know, Howard says, "No, I don't have anything uh, any tickets for you this week." So I'm starting to see the writing on the wall. I said, okay. So at the time, I weighed about 
270 pounds. I, I mean, I was in really good shape. Of course, I was having to wear a T-shirt. But uh, I said, okay, I'm, I'm getting bigger. And uh, so I spent a year – and, and uh, Jim Cornette, of course, you know, like I said, one of my mentors. Jim Ross was head, uh, head of – I think it was talent relations at the time. Uh, he was head of talent relations, and I had a real good uh, relationship with uh, JR. He liked me. So I asked them, you know, I said, hey, look, you know, if, if I'm not working up there, can I just – can I take indie bookings and, and work around here in Georgia? And, you know, Jimmy called me back. He said, I talked to JR about it. I don't know if he mentioned it to Vince, I, you know, but JR said, just don't get hurt. And I said, you know, promise I won't. So I just started, uh, you know, taking indie bookings. And uh, Bill Barings was a, a good friend of mine. And we'd worked together in here in Georgia a lot. So him and Burt Prentice from Tennessee were doing uh, Music City Wrestling. And I would go up there with with Bill. And then Bill was doing, uh, Bill was running a few towns here in Georgia. But we'd do the TV up there. <clears throat> so uh, I, I did that, you know, and I just... Uh, I just hit the gym even harder, uh, you know, uh, packed on a little bit more muscle, you know, changed my look a little bit. Um, and yeah, I was working as much as I could. I mean, you know, yeah, I was making money doing it, but you know, I'm, yeah, I had to run with as truth commission. So I, yeah, I was on TV, but you know, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels, you know, or, or, or any of those, you know, uh, but it was keeping, you know, it was it was a nice little extra with what WD. They were still paying me, you know. I was still under contract with them, you know. And uh, but yeah, I was just working as much as I could. I worked for music, worked for Bert and and Bill down in Georgia. Worked for uh, Mike Jackson over in Alabama. Um, just worked as much as I could, you know. So yeah, I mean, it was hard. I'd say it was hard work. It was, you know. They say if you, you if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. And uh, you know, from start to finish, the days I was in wrestling, I, I never worked a day in my life. That's cool to hear. Yes, and you know, you're working hard to get yourself back on television. Uh, you work a dark match against a guy under the name Ruckus, better known as Robbie Rage from WCW's High Voltage Tag Team, on February 21st, 2000, yep. in the Georgia Dome. Um, this is finally yep. an opportunity to to be seen again. Uh, and get back on TV after this time away. When you come back, you work this dark match. I, I, I'm assuming that they're impressed with the the, the changes uh, um, that you've that you've implemented in your body. Well, yeah, yeah, and and uh, so you know, George Dome was here. You know, I, I live in Georgia, so that was close. But in the meantime, I had been working for a. Uh, not a lot of year. Like I said, they'll get in the check. Uh, but Jim Hornet called me and claimed that he had stubbed a portion of W. Danny Davis. He told me they were down there. He said, My idea again, it's about TV. I said, I'm all ears. And he said, Bull Ken. And I said, I don't sound it. And he said, he said, the story is you're, you've had the most aggravated assaults in history 
of Kentucky. Modern policing in, in Kentucky, you've had the most aggravated. So, yeah, I was a prisoner on uh, work release. Kenny Bolin, uh, who worked there and was one of Cornette's uh, right-hand guys, had uh, got me out on work release, and uh, they brought me out to the ring in handcuffs and uh, prison attire. Right. So, you know, when I got the call up back to w, back to the main roster, uh, I assumed that I would be doing the same thing. But when I got up there, I was a prison guard. So, uh, go figure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I worked, uh, I went down there and, uh, and worked on the gimmick and, uh, you know, then, then it had me as prison guards, but, uh, yeah, I think it was 1999. I was in OVW. Uh, we, you know, we, we did some pretty entertaining stuff down there. Um, uh, but they would lead me out in the handcuffs. I'd break out of the handcuffs. And I was down there with, uh, Rico Constantino. Uh, of course, uh, Rob Conway was still there. Uh, Nick Densmore was there. Uh, yeah. Damager, who's, uh, you know, one of the Basham brothers, Doug Basham was there. Uh, so there's a lot of young guys there. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, you know, especially seeing them, you know, later on, you know, actually make it up there themselves and get good runs. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So that is quite a uh, humorous. You went from being a prisoner to a prison guard. Um, and that's what leads me to my next question. March 19th, 2000, very significant date in your career. It's when you re-debut as Bull Buchanan, siding with the big boss man in an attack on Midian. Um Tell me a little bit about this, you know, uh, and 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 what what you learned most from working with Ray Trailer. Oh God, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I don't know if you got long enough to uh, to hear all that. <laughs> um, so Cornette calls me, I think on a Tuesday. He says, "Hey, you got to be at TV tomorrow," and we I think we taped on Wednesday. So I was, you know, I said, "Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm driving up uh, tomorrow morning." He said, "No, you got to be on at SmackDown." Tomorrow night, he said, you got to have a uh, boss man gear. Me and, you know, when Jimmy, when he was laying the whole gimmick out to me, the original Bull Buchanan, you know, my first thought was, hey, man, this could lead into actually doing something with Ray Trailer, you know, maybe coming out as his trustee or, you know, something like that. Because I was a huge Ray Trailer fan, huge Ray Trailer fan. And because uh, he's basically from the same part of, you know, Georgia I am. And he was one of those guys that, you know, I saw before I got in the business. I, I thought to myself, hell, he's, you know, he's from some place. I, if he could do it, I could, might be able to do it too. So, uh, so I get there and, uh, you know, I'm tagging with Ray. And uh, that's actually the first time we met. <laughs> but uh, tagging him and, uh, man, he, he was – I can't tell you how what a good guy he was. I've never met anybody – that had a bad thing to say about him. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he, uh, I learned a lot from him, a lot in the ring, but I also learned a lot, uh, outside of the ring as far as like how to, I still don't, you know, and I know it's a, a kind of a tagline now, you know, WWE superstars, but at the time, you know, we were superstar. I mean, you know, the, the business was so huge that, uh, you know, I mean, even the guys low rung on the ladder was huge superstars, superstars, but, uh, you know, 
I would go out with him because he would always volunteer to to do volunteer stuff. And uh, like uh, the news crews would come before the show, they'd set up, and they'd want a couple of interviews. So I'd go out there with him because, man, you know, I really didn't know how to to talk really well uh, back then, and uh, I learned a lot. And and business wise, uh, you know, I went from uh, you know I was making a decent living, pretty good living. But, you know, when I got to run with him and then the run, you know, after the stuff afterwards, man, uh, it's pretty good money. And, uh, you know, he kind of, you know, he got me set up uh, with my own LLC and, uh, you know, incorporated. So, but yeah, just uh, but the in-ring stuff, man, he was just he was so smooth in the ring. So smooth. Uh, you know, it just he it made it look so easy. And I, I was really really disappointed on the verge of actually being pretty pissed off um uh, when they broke us up because i just i thought we we had oh shit man i i could stay with him you know for the next five years but uh yeah you know they had other plans so yeah but it was great and the gimmick you know it was kind of easy for me to play to be honest uh you know, and then getting to work alongside him was just, I mean, it was a dream come true. That's awesome. Because uh, I, I feel like the run that you had with uh, Boss Man was very memorable. Um, and a lot of people might point to that when they think of your career. Um, and But you two were actually only a team on television for 78 days before the split. Uh, did you ever find out what the reason was yep. for it? Because from my memory, um, he didn't really do... Uh, a whole lot storyline wise on television after they split the team up. So did, did you ever find out why they wanted to split, split it when everything was going great? Well, yeah, because first, you know, Ray told me, Ray was the one that told me. And, uh, I was just, uh, I was like, why, why would they do that? You know, I thought we were having, you know, we were, he said, no, he said, I, I got to take some time off. I got to have my knees scoped and a couple of other things. He said, and uh, they're looking at you as a, to give you a singles push. So, you know, I mean, that made it a little better, but I was still like, you know, just I was really kind of bummed out about it. But, uh, yeah, because that, you know, in between, uh, you know, when we broke up and before the RTC uh, started, uh, I did the thing where I stole uh, Undertaker's motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, 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 the shame man uh, at one of the pay per views, maybe uh, uh, it had the huge swing. It's where Shane dove off the top of one of the you know Titan Trons or something on the big show, I think. Uh, yeah. And uh, King of the uh, Might have been backlash? yeah, King of the no, not King of the Ring, uh, yeah, backlash. But uh, then I worked. Uh, I worked Crash Holly at uh at uh King of the Ring. I think it was it. Uh, and uh I'm sorry, I'm having to get my plug, my phone's about to die. Okay. Um I uh I worked him so yeah, and I worked Jericho on uh on TV also. So uh yeah, they were uh, they were uh Talking about giving me a singles push, and then an RTC thing came up. 
Right. Yeah, because it, it felt like you were being used as a bit of a henchman for the McMahon Helmsley uh, stable, um, which is when you actually stole Undertaker's motorbike. Um, it never actually ended in a singles match between the two of you taking place, which I thought was a bit strange. But um, uh, this short period of helping out the regime uh, and then being out on your own, then, of course, as we're, we're getting to now, being placed with Stephen Richards in the right to censor. Um, again, this is a, you know, a bit of a change again. What did you think of the idea when it was presented to you? Well, at first, uh, <clears throat> I wasn't too impressed. Um, but so I think we were in Albany, New York. And uh, I'd actually got to be friends with, uh, with Stevie, uh, even though we hadn't really worked together. Uh, and, and I was a huge fan of him in ECW, but uh, he saw me backstage and uh, well, actually, one of the production people met me backstage and said, "Hey, what size shirt do you wear?" So I thought we were getting some free swag or something. So I said, "Oh, I think uh, he says, what's your next size?" And, and then I started like, "Oh, um, I was you know nineteen, something like that." He said, "Okay." And then, like, not 10 seconds after he walked off, Stevie come walking up to me. He says, hey, man, what do you think about it? And I said, about what? He said, they're putting you, me and you together. And, I, you know, I, it didn't dawn on me at first. I was like, oh, that's great, man, you know, because I like Stevie, and I would have loved to have worked with him. And uh, he said, uh, I said, so what are we doing? He said, that thing I've been doing, you know, coming out. I said, what's it, what's it supposed to be? And then he laid it all out to me. You know, it was it was uh, Vince's way of uh, you know uh, poking the uh, the PTC, the Parent Te Teacher Council. So he kind of laid it out to me and uh, told me what you know. Kind of at that time, you know how things change. But you know the plan. Yeah, he just explained to me what it was about, and it dawned on me. I said, "Holy shit, man! These people are really going to be PO'd." You know, if we take away, and it, then you know, like light bulb went on. That's what you want. And uh, so that's how it started. Uh, you know, of course, it was me and him. And then uh, uh, we got uh, uh, Charles Godfather. And, you know, I, funny story about that. I get, you know, it's pretty well known. You know, he wasn't a big fan of the gimmick. Yeah. And I couldn't blame him. You know, he went from being absolutely one of the most popular guys in the whole company, you know, to just, you know, being a jerk like the rest of it. I was used to it because I was already a jerk. You know, I've, I've never <laughs> been a good guy there. So, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, and I mean, he lost a lot of merchandise money too. Um, you know, because he was doing really, really good on, on merchandise. So, um, and then we got Val. And, and, you know, there again, I think Val was, you know, with it a lot more than uh, Godfather was, but uh, we got to Houston Tech. I think it was Houston. I'm not sure. Anyway, we got to the, the building. <clears throat> excuse me. And Stevie kind of met me coming in. And says, "Hey," he said, "You heard what they're doing?" I said, "No. Nah, what, what are we doing?" He said, "They're bringing the Godfather in with us." I said, "You kidding me?" And the first, first thing in my mind, because you know, I I kind of knew Charles back then. I said, what does he think about this? And it's so comical because Stevie just kind of pointed around the corner. I stuck my head around the corner and I see Vince there. And, and there was Charles, Godfather. 
and you could just tell by the hand motions, you know, he was and you know, he he was telling Vince, you know, what was on his mind, I guess. And you know, I could tell Vince was that's oh Vince is trying to talk him into it. So real happy about it. And uh, you know, we had the match for the for the felt it a little more, you know, I, I and actually, you know, turned out to be a uh, really, really good friends, uh, during that time, which, you know, thankful. but yeah, uh, we had to match for the girls and we lost There was so much heat in that arena. That's the one thing that, you know, you know, say what you want to about us, but it had heat. I mean, like real, real, like they hated us, uh, you know, and I can't blame them. Uh, and even the music, you know, that uh, so was so annoying. And, and, you know, I guess you can probably watch it on YouTube. But uh, just being there, you can't imagine uh, you know, how much heat there was in that building every time we came out. Uh, so, you know, and we had a real good one, you know, got to hold the tails for a minute with the Godfather and uh, – you know, back that time too. I mean, I think, man, there was some great tag teams: the Hardy Boys, uh, uh, you know, the Dudley Agent and uh, and Adam, uh, uh, Christian, and then uh, and, uh, APA. We had a lot of good tag teams: Ron, Ron and John, Ron and John. You know, the APA, which. I work. I, that was probably you know I worked with those guys more than anybody probably between me and Boss Man and RTC, uh, or yeah the RTC, you know we we were working with those guys every night so we got to be good friends with those guys which was really cool. So I've only got a, a really a couple more questions to go here, uh, and I'm really again, Bull, I've appreciated your time so much. Uh, I think WrestleMania 17 is probably the greatest pay per view of all time in my opinion. Um, and it's such an interesting time in the business. Um, you know, you've had this great run with the right to censor, you know, tag team champion. ECW is gone. WCW has just been bought by the WWF. Uh, you're in the Astrodome in Houston with Val and, uh, and, and Charles against Taz and the APA. Um, so this is a really loaded question here. Uh, and it, it sounds perhaps a little dramatic as well, but you're kind of at the peak of your career right here in the WWF. WCW is getting purchased, which means the roster is about to probably double in size. You have a spot that you have to worry about. Uh, and uh, from my research, you actually perform on television nine more times after this WrestleMania as the invasion angle kicks off. Um, so there's yep. quite a lot here. How were you feeling at the time? Um, so we had the meeting that day. And Vince explained to us, you know, that he had bought WCW. Uh, I didn't have any idea. I don't think most of us did. Uh, he bought WCW. And uh, it was a it was a good feeling, I guess. I guess, you know, because we really were uh, in a war with those guys. And, 
all it would have taken is a really bad breaks, you know, like Taker leaving or Sean leaving, you know, jumping ship. And uh, we, we would have been in real trouble. But it was sad, it, it was satisfying from the fact that we, we do want it. But, you know, from the side, from a business standpoint, from our side of it, and, and you know, I, I really, I, I was sitting in the meeting with Ron Simmons, and uh, I remember Ron kind of saying something, alluding to the fact that, oh boy, here we go. But you don't even see anybody lose their job. And, and, and plus, you know, that was a bargaining chip for a lot of guys. Uh, I, I never used it. I don't know if I was in a position, you know, to use it or not. Uh, but, you know, I mean, when you when you can say, hey, I'm drawing money for you, but I think you ought to pay me more. Well, we can't do that. Okay, well, I'll go talk to Eric Bischoff. Well, hold on a second. You know, and plus, you know, it was it was another whole roster of guys from top to bottom, you know, that they they could make a living, a very good living, but at very least a living. Um, so we knew the guys were coming over. We knew uh, uh, the things were going to change. Um, I don't know that the RTC was going to last a whole lot longer, but, uh, you know, I – I kind of thought we rushed it a little bit because, you know, we were just rolling along kind of, and, and boom, uh, we were doing But at the same time, you know, had to get those guys. I mean, how do you have Booker on your TV show? You know, how, how do you not have uh, Arn Anderson, Fit Finley, those guys behind the scenes, and, and Fit in front of the camera? You know, I mean, you, you're not going to not. But, uh, I had actually, uh, because we all kind of knew, you know, I, sorry. So um, I had actually pitched a gimmick, and, you know, I don't want to get a bunch of hate for it because he does it way better than uh, I have had any idea of doing it. Uh, but it was, uh, I I really like the, uh, the uh, Waylon Mercy character. It was before out there, but I, I liked the movie Cape Fear, and that was where the Waylon Mercy gimmick came from. But from what I understand, you know, Danny just, you know, he he, you know, had some injuries and stuff, and uh, couldn't do it. I pitched it to uh, Michael Hayes. Uh, Michael was a guy that, you know, I I kind of, we came you know, from the same area, uh, and I ran across him, you know, even back on the Indies when I first started. So we knew each other, and I trusted him. Uh, I pitched it to uh, to Michael, and he said, "Yeah." And I think he maybe he pitched it to Vince, and he said, "Yes, but we got to make it modern. You know, we got to update it because you know the way of mercy, you know, that Danny did, you know, the white pants, flowery shirt, everything." So uh, I kind of started, you know, trying to get some ideas together on that, and uh, um, after the invasion angle, the tickets quit coming. And so you're like, oh God, here we go. So, uh, but yeah, I I pitched that to him, and I uh, I knew, you know, once we were off the road, I called Jr. up and I said, hey, I, you know, and and at that time, you know, I was getting paid a lot better than I did the first time I sit at home, but I also knew that, hey, you know, 
people aren't going to pay you just to sit around. And doing the indies wasn't really an option at that point. You know, we'd got a little beyond where we were a few years before that. So uh, I called JR up and said, hey, would you care if I drove down to OVW? And, you know, he said, no, absolutely not. I mean, just, yeah, go down there if you got something you want to work on. So uh, I called Jimmy in and, you know, I told him the idea. And he said, heck, yeah, come on down here. Uh, he liked the idea. And uh, uh, he uh, – you know, we kind of did the the little bit of the gimmick down there. Uh, you know, I worked with David Flair uh, when he was there. Uh, and the coolest part of that is I got to be there and see uh, probably the great, you know, I think it's probably one of the greatest classes that ever came out. It's Randy Orton, John Cena, Dave Tisa, Shelton Benjamin, Brock Lesnar, all those guys were down there and learning at that time. So that was really cool. Got you know, got to know those guys and Okay, Bulls. So uh the next portion of your career I wanted to talk about, you know, as you mentioned, uh, your time in OVW working on this uh new gimmick that you had suggested. Um you've been working a bunch of house shows in mid two thousand two with uh Michael Orson, Ron Waterman, Farouk, Rico, um, a couple of dark matches. Um finally you do get back on television. August 4th, 2002, Richmond, Virginia, Velocity against Mike Awesome. Uh, at this stage, it's been 14 and 418 days, sorry, since your last appearance on TV. And this was Mike Awesome's fourth last WWE match because I'm a nerd for facts like that. But you come back, you're in tremendous shape. I mean, you, this is the first time we see you in WWE without your shirt on. And when I saw the video the other day, I was like, my God, he's in the best shape of his career. Please tell me a little bit about that. Well, so I really didn't have a, a gimmick at the time. I was just Bull Buchanan, so I figured it'd be a good chance to, to you know, get rid of the shirt. And, um, you know, so uh, I had leaned down a little bit. I'd usually stay around 290. I was down to about 270 pounds. And, yeah, I got to work Mike Austin, which was a, a bucket list thing for me because, you know, I, I, watched, uh, I watched Mike – uh, in uh, FMW and all Japan, and I watched him in, uh, of course, his stuff in ECW, and I just thought our our styles uh, would would uh, mesh well together. Uh, we were both big guys, about the same size. Our our uh, our move repertoire was was a lot of the you know he uh, did a lot of high flying stuff for a guy his size. I did too, and uh, you know I, I thought we had a good match. Uh, you know, Mike had just come back from, uh, I, I know one knee, possibly two, uh, big knee injuries. So, um, you know, he was still trying to, uh, you know, kind of get back on his feet. Uh, I, I really, you know, and we'd actually, uh, we'd actually, uh, you know, got to be friends and talked a little about, uh, you know, maybe tagging something, you know, it never worked out. Well, it didn't in WWE later on in Japan, we did get that tag a little bit and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, Mike was really cool, and uh, you know, I thought we had a good match, and you know, got to got to kind of do it the way we wanted to do it. But uh, yeah, it, it was uh, you know, getting my foot back in the in the door on TV. Uh, like I said, it really wasn't a gimmick; it was just kind of me. But you know, gave him a chance to to see what I'd been doing while I was uh, while I was off. Yeah, really cool. And uh, I know, I, I believe a few weeks later, you did work Albert as well on Velocity for another victory for yourself. Yep. But uh, 
Then there's a big space here of uh, three months of being on the road doing house shows, uh, working with some, uh, some may consider obscure kind of names that you wouldn't think of. Um, Horace Hogan was actually working a lot of house shows uh, and he actually teamed with him in his very last match of his career against Mark Henry and Mark Gingerak in Colorado. Uh, he also yes. worked a bit with uh, your old buddy from OVW, uh, Doug Basham, Lenny Lane from WCW. Uh, he actually wrestled yep. John Cena in San Jose, Rodney Mack, Eric Angle, Bill DeMott. These are some just names that I wanted to throw out there. Um, everyone's yep. hoping to get called up. Everyone wants to get called up to TV. Um, and you're going to get called up. You're going to get called up to be uh, backing up John Cena as B squared. Um so please, uh, the floor is yours. Please tell me a little bit about this and and how there was also another idea in the pipeline of being uh, Jamie Noble's cousin. So, so I, I think maybe it was Hunter or or somebody um, that had uh, come up with the idea of being Jamie Noble's cousin, which I, yeah, I thought was a great idea. Uh, it you know kind of fit right into who I was. I mean, Jamie was from West Virginia, but you know it, it's. It's still kind of the same part of the country for us, you know. We're all from the south. We all kind of talk the same. We, you know, we all use the same, uh, uh, you know, funny little phrases. So, but uh, Paulie was the head writer at SmackDown, and Paul and I had uh, developed a relationship over the years from from me working in ECW that one time, and I'd always stayed in touch with him, um, and. Uh, so he was concerned that I might get lost in the in the mix with uh, Jamie and Nydia, who had great chemistry at the time. And, you know, he was afraid I might be the odd man out. So I literally was was at TV uh, one day, and it was well, one of the writers came by and, and uh, just told me, hey, we're putting you with Cena. And uh, I had uh, – I had known John. I had known John for a while because we'd worked in OVW together, and uh, he had been on the road doing dark matches. You know, same as me. Uh, and I'd actually met him a few years earlier. You know, I, uh, a lot of these guys when they uh, when they're trying to get in, at that time we would uh, when we would go to their part of the country, which you know for him was California. You know, they would get a dark match, and then when we'd come back, you know, six months, four months, whatever later they would get a dark match again. So, you know, I saw his first one and then I saw his second and there was always improvement and he was always getting better. And once I got down there and listened to him on the, on the mic, I knew he was, he, he was just John Cena, just, you know, like I was kind of bull Buchanan. So once I, I saw him start doing the, uh, the rapper thing. Um, so I kind of knew what he, you know, where we were going. Um, but I wasn't sure how they wanted it approached. Did they want it approached as a, you know, as a, as a bodyguard, uh, you know, in slacks and maybe a black shirt, you know, something like that, you know, a suit, the the classic bodyguard. And uh, Shelton Benjamin, uh, me and Devon Dudley had been riding together, and Devon had just went back with Bubba. So Shelton Benjamin was, you know, in the same boat, you know, just doing dark matches, really not a gimmick. So Shelton and I had been riding at the time, and and so we kind of kicked it around and and uh, went out to a mall, and and I found some some Rough Rider pants, and uh, you know the wife beater, and and a little bit of bling, and and so I thought it would be funny, and John did too. You know, we approached it as this, you know, typical Southern uh, redneck 
overnight turned into, you know, uh, uh, part of his entourage, a bodyguard, so to speak. So, yeah, we had a lot of it was it was it was different, and, and I was having fun with it because it was something different from what I'd what I'd always done. Vince had always saw me as a, a killer, and uh, you know this was a little different. And like I said, I had leaned down a little bit, you know. So, um, but yeah, we were having a having a good time with it, and you know, I, I think. I think the crowd was too. You know, we were heels, but it, it was so uh, it was so over the top. Uh, you know, Vanilla Ice. Uh, it, it was actually funny, and uh, you know, we we didn't have a, a long run together, which you know I knew about about three weeks in. I knew that. Uh, I mean, you know, this guy doesn't. He he isn't going to need an entourage around him for long um and i and i had uh, you know i hadn't kind of known that they were really wanting to push him hard and from knowing him and from seeing what the from seeing the improvements he made from the first dark match i ever saw him in yeah through ovw getting to work with him in ovw and, and uh, you know one of the one of the uh one of the drills that danny and uh, jim Cornette would uh, do with the guys is Everyone would sit in the crowd, and one guy would get in the ring, and another guy would would take the mic and interview him. And the drill was that whoever had the mic, and sometimes the people from the audience, would come up with an idea for impromptu promo. No thinking about it, no just. And the topic could be anything that you know. And I saw John Cena do a um, do a two three minute promo out of the blue on a flying squirrel. <laughs> I knew then that if I ever put the mic in his hand, he'd be he'd be a star. And uh, you know, when they did, of course, you know, the the ball started rolling. So yeah, I I, I had a I had a feeling that uh, you know it wasn't gonna be uh, a long partnership because he really didn't need anybody at that time. He was ready to go on his own. Um you know, and that kind of left me in uh, okay, how do I spin this into something I can do or, or something that, you know, I can spin it out of and, you know, n never really got the chance to do that. Yeah. I'd been there for eight years at the time and, uh, you know, it had several different gimmicks and I think they thought, and, and I, you know, I really kind of thought too, it might be as Jr. used to say, it might be time to go away for a while and learn a new hold. Yeah. And, uh, so I think it was, uh, in January, uh, John Laurinaitis called me and told me, you know, hey, you know, we're not going to, but to his credit, he, uh, you know, I think he got me, uh, got me on the Royal Rumble that year, which was, you know, good payoff. Yeah. I didn't do much, but still it was good. Payoff, you know? and, and knowing that I was probably getting ready to leave, you know, I thought that was a pretty class thing to do. And I still had a few months left on my contract and, uh, and he paid it out for me. He didn't have to do that. But uh, but they did. So, you know, um, I've never had a uh, – I, I, and I never will. Uh, I've never had a, a bad thing to say about the WWE. They always did what they said they would do. The, the checks were always there. Uh, I had a good relationship with everybody. I, I never had a – I don't can't really look back on it and say that I ever had a bad day at work while I was there, you know. Um, uh, 
as, as far as, you know, there's, there's always hassle, you know, you flight gets delayed, you know, your rental car is not there and, you know, there's always stuff like that. But as far as working with the company, even to this day, you know, I went down a few months ago and did a guest coaching thing. Okay. They've always been first class, always, um, you know, done what they, they said they would do. And, uh, uh, it's just, it's, you know, it's always been a really good relationship. Yeah, well, that's really cool to hear. Thank you for sharing all that. And, uh, you know, another question that I had to ask is, uh, you know, eight years later after you, 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 you departed the company on the 14th of November 2011, you made that surprise uh, one night return for uh, John Cena's This Is Your Life segment, uh, where you, <laughs> you would claim that John had ruined your life. Uh, it was, I found it very entertaining. Um, that must have been really fun for you after all that time to come back and do this spot on this show. It, it was, it was. And, uh, you know, there again, like it usually happens with them, you know, just out of the blue, I got a call from uh, Lauren Itis and he asked, you know, if I would be available, you know, maybe for the next week. And I said, uh, sure, you know. And um, I immediately went and asked my son, uh, Ben, who's, who's now Brooks Jensen in NXT, uh, where Raw was at the next week. And he said, Boston. And I said, I got it. I, I had a feeling what it might be. And, <laughs> and, uh, uh, John called me back up a day or two later and confirmed it. And, uh, yeah, they flew me up and, uh, you know, kind of laid the whole thing out. And, and it was really, uh, it was really cool. Cause I got to see a, a lot of guys I hadn't seen in a while. And I got to, uh, I got to meet a lot of guys that I hadn't got to meet that, you know, were up there, uh, you know, uh, the mid, oh, I, you know, of course I'm, I tried to meet everybody, but, uh, you know, uh, Seamus and, and some of those guys I had, uh, I had been watching and, you know, really look, really look forward to meeting, got to hang out with them and, uh, got to, and actually got to, uh, hang out with, uh, Rocky for a little while too. You know, he flew back in for that. I think at that time they were maybe getting ready to build up to, uh, to, uh, WrestleMania, yeah. uh, build the, him with John. So he flew in. So I got to see him for a little while and, uh, you know, I hadn't seen him. Uh, since I'd left or actually a little before because I think he left to go to Hollywood actually before I did, uh, before I left. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, you know, Foley, it was, you know, I worked with Mick a lot. So, yeah, it was just, it was really cool. Uh, you know, like I said, when, you, you know, there's, I don't know that you ever actually burn bridge in this business because, you know, if somebody can make money with you, you know, that, at, at the end of the day, I mean, we don't like to say it. And, and it's, it's never really been all, it's never been about all about the money, but at the same time, and it's one thing I try to impress on these young guys, it has to be a little bit about the money because you are doing this to make a living. We all do it because we got passion and we love what we're doing, of course. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is about providing for yourself and, and for your family and, um, you know, but it's never been all about the money. Uh, I wouldn't want people to, you know, know this. Or I wouldn't want to say, say it too loud other than, other than uh, you know, just, you know, sometimes you would do it for free. I mean, we all know we would. Uh, we've all done it for free before. We've all paid our dues, you know. But, uh yeah, it's, 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 you know, I don't think you, it's hard to burn a bridge because if they can make money with you, they'll use you. But at the same time, 
you know, I've always maintained a good relationship. I'm, I don't think I've ever had a crossword with anybody up there. And so, you know, when you do that, things like this uh, pop up from time to time. You never know when you're, you know, just like the guest coaching thing. Um, you never know when they're going to call you up and say, hey, you know, could you come in? And and so, uh, you know, that's, that's another really cool thing about being associated with them. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, and, you know, you, you did bring up your son, Brooks Jensen. Uh, yeah. This is some great stuff, man. Uh, I have to be honest, I've been very uh, entertained by by some of the stories that uh, he's been put in, especially when he, he's looking for love and all that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how proud are you of him? And do, do you get a bit of a kick, you know, seeing him perform on, on NXT? Oh, oh God. I, yeah. How much time have you got? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he, he was just, uh, I, I've got, uh, four children. My, my, my girls, my two girls were, were, uh, older. Um, and they actually, uh, you know, got in the ring a few times and, and, and tried it, but it just, you know, wasn't their cup of tea. My youngest son, uh, Zach, who's, who's 16, uh, just got done with the, uh, uh, high school wrestling state tournament. He's a football player and a wrestler, uh, made it to the state finals this year. Uh, he's a junior, but, uh, he's already had uh, a handful of matches. Oh, cool. So he's looking to, uh, he's looking to, uh, kind of follow in footsteps, but yeah, I knew Ben, Ben was, uh, Ben has been just, uh, in love with this business since he was a little kid. Uh, he was kind of like me, I guess, you know, I just kind of fell in love with it. So, you know, he's all these years, you know, the, the indie shows and, uh, and stuff like that, you know, he's always went with me and, you know, at, at seven or eight years old, he was trying to help put up chairs at the indie shows I would go to, you know, he would try to help him set up the ring. He went from that to, uh, I think when he was 13 or 14, he, he approached me and asked me, you know, if I would uh, train him. And I said, well, I said, I tell you what, we'll train you as referee and we'll see how you do. And uh, he refereed for about a year. I made him referee for about a year. And while he was refereeing, I, I would take him in the ring and, you know, show him a little bit here and there. Train, and I trained him. And uh, he had that first match actually at 16. And he worked, uh, he, he, you know, did most of it. He got himself, but I made him, you know, go out and, Contact promoters. I made him do it all, you know, kind of a grassroots kind of, you know, thing. He, uh, but he, he had himself booked every weekend. And, uh, I think it was 2019, uh, Evolve had a show in, in Atlanta. And, uh, William Regal was doing a, uh, seminar beforehand. And, I really didn't do it was all him. You know, he, he contacted him. He, uh, he, uh, was working at a, a small, uh, feed mill over here in, uh, in the town we live in part-time job after school. And he saved up his money. I think it was $200 paid to uh, go to the uh, seminar. And, uh, I just kind of hang, I just kind of hung out, you know, of course I, I wanted to see how he did. Um, but, uh, while he was uh, while he was in the ring, uh, William Regal came over because we had known each other for a long time and always had a good relationship. So we sat and talked, and uh, he asked me, uh, you know, would he be interested in coming down there? And I'm so sure, sure he would, but 
really my idea was for him to continue to work the indies and uh you know maybe uh get him over to uh, japan to work in the, to uh spend a few months in the dojo there i want him to be well-rounded you know i really kind of saw you know maybe uh getting a shot with roh or impact or something smaller and kind of you know to prepare him for wwe but uh you know, 2019, that's when COVID hit yeah. and pretty much just, you know, threw a monkey wrench into everything. But uh, Regal Regal actually contacted me in November and said, hey, you know, uh, um, we'd like to bring Ben in. I know you wanted him to get some more experience and go to Japan. But I think at the time his son uh, was over in Japan and, and, you know, they weren't doing any more visas, you know, everything was kind of shut down. So he said, we well, go ahead and bring him in. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, give him a call, you know, see what he said. I wish I knew what the answer would be. And, uh, he went down and, and had to try out and, uh, you know, I guess the, the rest is history. He, uh, he, uh, he moved down there in, uh, late August and, uh, and by the early September, he was on TV and, you know, they've been, They've been running ever since. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, and how have you felt about some of the story storylines he's been involved with since being on NXT? Oh, I mean, it's you know, it's it's uh, you know, because uh, we when we would do these, and he was doing he was doing indie shows. He was doing Friday night, Saturday night, sometimes Sunday, you know, occasionally during the week. And I would always go with him because you know, even though he, he's, he's, a, he's as big as I am, but you know, he's still a 17 or 18 year old, 16 year old kid. So of course I wanted to go and, you know, make sure everything was, was, you know, that he didn't get in any situations that, you know, he didn't need to. Uh, and, uh, so we would talk about this and that, you know, and I, and, and just like, you know, when you're on the road, you know, that's, that's you're in the car for three, four, five, six hours at a time, you know, all you do is, he sit there and talk. And so we talked about WWE and I told him, I said, you know, but he had, a, he had the ideal of the, of the gimmick that he wanted to do when he went down there. But I told him, I said, look, man, you know, you never know. I mean, you could go from being this country boy, you know, you could be a, a you know, whatever. It's just, you know, whatever whim they decide. But uh, he kind of had an idea of what he wanted to do. And, and, for the most part, that's kind of what he's done. And, and anybody that knows Ben knows that, uh, that, you know, the best gimmicks are not gimmicks. They're just extensions of your character. And, uh, we joke all the time because this is absolutely an extension of his character. You know, the Brooks Jensen you see on TV is not too far from, from, uh, the Brooks Jensen in real life. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do. I'm pretty sure he has had a kiss before. Uh, but you know, I mean, he, he, that, that's kind of been, and I think that's why it works for him. And, you know, uh, I, I couldn't have really picked a better partner for him to put him with, uh, you know, other than, uh, Josh, uh, I'd watched Josh a little and evolve and so had been, and, and I'd really, you know, been a fan of his work. And, uh, so I, you know, I think they got a, I think they've got something that they can, uh, especially and with Fallon coming in with them too. I think they got something that they could uh, go to the main roster with and, and, you know, have a good run. Absolutely. I agree. I've been very entertained by, uh, by the, the group. Uh, it's been some very good stuff. Um, Bull, uh, again, I want to thank you so much for your time uh, being on the show. Um, 
I, I know that there's so much more of your career that took place after your time in WWE. And I really, I, I'd hate to skim over it. Um, you know what I mean? It, it, it kind of feels rude to skim over it because you spent quite a lot of time in all Japan and Noah. Um, so I just wanted to see if you, yeah. had, you had any stories uh, of your time in Japan and, you know, and all the legendary uh, Japanese talent you got to work with. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, uh, actually, you know, uh, like I said, I mean, WWE was a blast and everything, but I, I probably, uh, um, I, I probably felt a lot more, uh, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the work I did in Japan because, um, uh, they never approached me with a gimmick or, or anything like that. All they asked was that I, I be there and, and have good matches. So I finally got a chance to, I could wear trunks. I could, I could, you know, kind of do what I wanted to do, be who I wanted to be and, and just go out there and have good matches. And me and D'Lo, uh, me and D'Lo Brown had been friends since Smoky Mountain. We met down there, you know, we were both living at the, uh, Smoky Mountain flop house, uh, which was in Morristown, Tennessee. I mean, everybody that ever, uh, you know, went through there, lived there at one time. And, uh, you know, we, we came up through, uh, the, I guess the developmental system of, of WWE together. And we, you know, worked in WWE, you know, WrestleMania, we all got to work together. And, <laughs> and uh, when we got over to Japan, uh, we, uh, we were part of a group called ROD, which was, uh, depending on what time, you know, the, Taka Michinoku was the uh, was the head of the group, but uh, the original group was myself, D'Lo, uh, Mike Awesome. Uh, Mike Awesome was there. Uh, Jerry Toot, he was the wall in WCW. He uh, he passed away unfortunately, and then uh, Eki e uh, uh, Jamal uh, Umaga yep. came in, and uh, Taiokea, who had been a, a big star in all Japan. Um, so we all got. Uh, you know, uh, together as a group, uh, Rosie, uh, yep. superhero in training at the one time was a part of it. Uh, but, uh, me and D'Lo were kind of always the tag team. So we carried that to Noah and actually got the chance. And, uh, for a brief moment had the, uh, the, uh, GHC tag belts. And, uh, to, to me at that time, Noah, with its association with uh, ROH had probably as far as pro wrestling, the greatest roster uh, of anybody in the world, uh, Mara Fuji, Segura, of course, you, you know, uh, Masao was, was the boss of Gawa, uh, you know, uh, Kenta, uh, just all the, uh, all those great names, you know, that, that, uh, that the people remember from that time, they were all there and we got to work with them. So as far as a, a body of work, if I had to, it'd be hard not to, if I had to, you know, put one picture on the screen and say, Hey, this, this is what I did. It, it would be hard not to put WWE, but I think right there beside of it, I would have to put what we did in, in uh, all Japan and Noah. Uh, as far as my personal feeling, I take as much pride in that as anything I've ever done, because at that time, work rate was just through the roof. I mean, um, the undercard on most of Noah's, uh, on most of the, uh, the cards we were on, the undercard 
where people like Bobby Fish, Eddie Edwards, uh, Brian Danielson, um, the Briscoes, and not saying they're undercard, but you know, this might be your opening match. Uh, so, you know, uh, all the ROH guys who, who were, who were there, you know, were coming over at the time. So to me, uh, we had the greatest talent roster of professional wrestling now, you know, which I, 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 I kind of differentiate, uh, you know, I look at pro wrestling as what we did until, you know, the mid eighties, late eighties when Vince coined the the term sports entertainment and he created the sports entertainment genre. To me, they're, they're kind of different because they have a different philosophy of, of, you know, the pro wrestling business model was different than Vince's model. Vince creates something totally different. Uh, but, but as far as, and everybody followed that trend, but as far as just, you know, pro wrestling and, and putting, you know, uh, three-star, four-star, five-star matches together. I think at that time, uh, pro wrestling Noah had the greatest uh, talent roster in the world. Wow, cool. Well, yes, I, I just wanted to know a little bit about your time there because clearly, you know, you're getting to work in Japan. You get to show what you can do in the ring. You know, you're not not just like a, you know, a seven-minute match on Raw or whatever. You're like, yeah, you right, actually right, get to right. go out there and show what you, you know, all, all your training and all your and I, and I related to. Yeah. And I have to say that, uh, you know, I had always, uh, I had always planned on going to Japan. Um, and that's kind of why when, you know, when the, the run in, uh, WWE was over, I, I, I was disappointed, but you know, I written, you know, I, I was kind of looking forward to, uh, to, to getting over there. Cause it was off something I'd always wanted to do. And, uh, man, it was just, a, it was a great time. It was very, uh, there was a lot less pressure there than there was in WWE, uh, because the, the model wasn't necessarily based off of the TV program and, you know, really didn't, you know, there weren't skits. There weren't, there was just, you know, hardcore, just nose to nose, strong style wrestling. And, uh, I loved it. You know, we both did me and D-Lo, we all loved it, you know? When Umaga, uh, you know, when he left to go back, you know, if Vince calls, and this has been you know, the same all throughout history, all the way back through Vince Senior, uh, you know, and Vince Junior, if Vince calls, you're gonna go. You know, there's there's always been one, you know, the main game in town has always been WWE, and it always will be. You know, in the territory days, it was because that Vince Senior could pay you more because he had Madison Square Garden. He had the Spectrum in Philadelphia, you know. Uh, so if he wanted you, you were going to go. But, uh, you know, it was always a kind of a – and D'Lo went back, you know. Uh, and, and we talked about it, you know. He, we talked about it before he left. Uh, it's just hard not to go back when they call. Uh but it was also hard to leave Japan for everybody that did. You know, it was a hard decision because it's a, it's just a different uh, lifestyle there. Um, it's you know, you, you get off the plane in Narita and you get on a bus and that's all you got to do. You're not renting cars. You're not trying to find hotel rooms in the middle of the night. You're not, you know, it's a very, uh, it's it's a very uh, uh, relaxing job over there. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's cool to hear. Um, I wanted to ask you just before we get to the end here, Bull, uh, you, you have your time in, in WWE, you have all this time in Japan, you do some other stuff after Japan. When was there a point in time where you thought to yourself, okay, you know what, maybe it's time to start uh, winding down and, and, and maybe doing something else, um, you know, career-wise? Uh, when was that moment and, and, and what made you make that decision? Actually, uh, <laughs> actually, it come a few years before I, I really did anything. Uh, we were over in Japan, and somebody had uh, had the uh, the DVD of the movie uh, The Wrestler with uh, Mickey Rourke. They'd just come out. And, of course, we were all dying to see it. And we all watched that movie. And somewhere during the course of watching that movie, I just made up my mind. I said, this is not going to be me. I said, this is not going to be, because even though that's a fictional story, unfortunately, it's a story that, and everybody that's associated with pro wrestling knows, you know, it's a, it's a story that has been played out a thousand times with different guys, you know, that, that for whatever reason, you know, didn't prepare for what was, you know, going to happen afterwards or didn't have a, you know, a plan or didn't, you know, didn't save or didn't, didn't pay their taxes as JR would always say, um, uh, and I just made up my mind. I said, that's not, that's not going to be me. And, and, you know, truthfully, I know guys like that. We all do. We all know guys like that. We, you know, we don't want to say it out loud. Um, but, you know, this business is uh, hard. It takes a, a real toll on your body. It can take a real toll on your mind. And, uh, you know, if you're not careful, you can really get, you know, just uh, trashed in this business and, and have nothing left. Um so I kind of, you know, started making plans, uh, after, after the, uh, accident with Masawa and, uh, him dying in the ring and, 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 you know, Noah was kind of on their heels. The, 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 you know, at the time, the recession, you know, 2008, 2009, uh, 2010 the recession, you know, business was down. Um, so I actually uh, went to work at the, uh, at the, uh, sheriff's department here in the town I live in, uh, grew up with a lot of those guys. So uh, I had an in and, uh, you know, I, I started winding down my, my in-ring career and, uh, um, the uh, sheriff's department actually, uh, uh, throwed me a real nice, uh, I had a, uh, I had a retirement match in 2014 uh at my high school gym where i played basketball what place where i grew up we packed it out uh, i had all my friends you know mostly from the indie scene uh come in and uh uh brought the, the sheriff's department here uh flew d in uh so me and d tagged in my last match against uh, uh brad lynch and uh, aj Steele, a couple of the guys that you know i'd worked on the indies for years and uh, had my retirement match and everything, and, and I was done. And uh, I I've been working for the sheriff's department ever since. I I was a patrol officer. I worked my way up to investigations, and uh, now I work at the courthouse. Uh, but I had a uh, I had a uh, kind of gotten away from it. And an old uh, old timer told me, you know, if you if you ever get out of this, don't ever come back around it because you know you get sucked right back in. And sure enough, once Ben wanted to. You know, start. I started carrying him around the shows, and sure enough, I've wound up back in the ring with him several times, uh, tagging, and we actually worked each other one time. Um, 
So, and and now, like I said, Zach, uh, my youngest son Zach, he's he's starting. So I've actually tagged with him once or twice. <laughs> so you know, I did exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. You know, get back into it. But uh, not you know, uh, the, but the one thing I did find out from that is it's not something. It's really it's not something that I could or would even want to just totally walk away from. Uh, when I started going back around these shows with Ben and seeing all my old friends and meeting a lot of new friends, you know, a lot of the new young guys that, that are in it, man, I've just had a blast. So now I, I honestly, I kind of, uh, I kind of split my time between the sheriff's department and, uh, you know, uh, going to these small shows around here. And, uh, I, I would like my, my plans always been to open up a training school, uh, you know, I think uh, I think that would be a a good way that I could stay around the business, stay in the business, and uh, you know, and and not get uh, any more busted up than I already. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's not something uh, it's not something that I I could walk away from. I think I was kind of kidding myself thinking I could, but the thing I found out it's not something I want to walk away from. You know, I, I don't ever want to be away from this business. I, I, I've loved this business since I was seven years old. Uh, I've been very fortunate. I, I've never, never spent a night in the hospital. I've never, uh, 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 I've never had any serious, oh, well, I say serious injuries. You know, I've got a lot of, uh, problems in my lower back, some stuff in my neck going on, but, uh, man, I do, you know, I have people all the time and one night, on the way back from a show somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you know, one o'clock in the morning and, and, uh, uh, Ben and myself driving. And, and, you know, he asked me, you know, would you do it again? And I said, not only would I do it again, I would go even harder, even, you know, more than I did then I would, you know, I'd do it eight days a week. If I could, if I, you know, I tell, I tell him and Zach all the time, you know, uh, enjoy the time you have in this business because you never know when it's going to be over. I had a, a a long career. I had a healthy career. I, I made, you know, good money. And I have no complaints about my career, but you never know when it could be over. You know, it could have been over, you know, two days after a month, you know, three years in, five years in, you never know when it's going to be over. So, you know, you got to appreciate it because when it's over, it's, you know, it, it is over. Uh, you know, when they say, hey, you can't do this anymore. You know, you physically can't do this anymore. That's it. I mean, you can go out there and try, but it's not going to end well for most people. And, you know, um, but yeah, that's why I just try to tell these young guys, man, enjoy it because it comes to an end too soon, you know, and then you're one of these old guys like me, just, you know, sweeping up or selling popcorn or something to try to stay around the business and, uh, you know, <laughs> still get your, your kicks on the weekend. <laughs> Uh, very cool. Thank you for sharing all that with me, uh, Paul. That's really awesome to hear. And, you know, ha happy to hear that you're still uh, involved in in some way in, in, in wrestling because, you know, um, you, you contributed so much to it. It would be a shame for you to not continue contributing in some way. Um, we're getting to our final segment here on the show here, Paul. This is about finding out about your favorite things. It's a quick fire question for a quick fire answer. Let's see if you can do it. Okay, cool. Okay, the very cool. first one is who is your favorite pro wrestler of all time? Tommy Rich. Excellent. Do you have a favorite opponent over the years? 
The Godfather. Excellent. Uh, if you could pick one particular match that you, you performed in, in your career, say someone asks you, well, show me your best match. Show me your favorite match that you were ever in. What would that match be? It would come down to two matches, either uh, myself against Godfather uh, for the uh, for his uh, hose, or uh, it was a match with Mendilo against uh, Mar Fuji and Segura over in Japan for the GHC uh, tag titles at Budokan. Awesome, awesome. Uh, getting away from wrestling now, Paul, uh, do you have a favorite book? Uh, the Bible. Very popular answer on this show. Very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you have a do you have a favorite TV show? Yellowstone, right now. I'm oh, really into that. Excellent. So I'm, yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite film? A favorite film? Yeah. Um. Wow, and you you stumped me on that one. Um. Uh, Tombstone. <laughs> another excellent film awesome <laughs> uh yeah. do you have a uh, favorite musical artist or band uh you know i've i've thought about this a lot through the years spent all, a lot of time in cars uh i guess you'd have to kind of narrow it down to a genre if i you know uh uh i'm a big country music fan so hank williams jr uh as far as rock goes leonard skinner or acdc uh Thunder from down under, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, bro. Awesome. Good answer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, getting away from the arts now, Bull. Uh, do you have a favorite food? Uh, steak. Awesome. I'm sure that's a popular answer. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that and pizza are pretty much uh, the most popular answers on the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road? Uh, you know, uh, we always tried to hit the, uh, Cracker Barrels and Waffle Houses. And like I said, we're rednecks. So anytime we can find a Waffle House, you know, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we hit that or Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yeah. Those, those answers are very popular. Everybody locked out back too, though. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Everybody course. locked out back too, though. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, we've got the three to go here. Uh, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? And if you don't drink, just a favorite beverage in general. Uh, I like a glass of dark wine before I go to bed. I think that's a very, very good answer. That's what I do as well. I like a, I like a bit of red. Um, second last one here, Bull. I like that mellow feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good feeling, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, the second last one. Uh, this could be considered like this could be considered the most naughtiest question, but sometimes you get a very, very meaningful answer from it. Uh, it's favorite female body parts. So uh, if Bobby Cannon sees a good-looking lady, you know where where will you look to first? Eyes, eyes. So we, we got a lot in I common. Think, uh, you know the eyes, the yeah. Yeah, the eyes are the other are the good of the heart, you know. Absolutely. That's that's my answer too. I, I always say eyes. Um and the last one, Paul. Uh I don't think you've you've cursed once on this show. Oops, I lost you. <laughs> so close, Luke. So close. <laughs> uh 
Hey, I'm sorry. We almost got done. <laughs> That's okay. I, I laughed very hard then because you were right near the end of them and you dropped out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so, Bill, the, the last one is uh, favorite curse word. I don't think you've said one curse word on the show, but if you had a favorite one, what would it be? Uh, God, what what's probably the one I say more than anything is is what the hell. Uh, being a law in law enforcement, you know, that's a common answer for about 90% of the things I run into is what the hell, you know, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Excellent answer, Bull. Well, Bull Buchanan, it has been such a joy to uh, have the opportunity to talk to you, learn about your career, uh, because, you know, I, I always like to say this to, to some of the guests that I, I grew up watching when I was, a, you know, I started watching wrestling in 1998, uh, you know, I was 12 years old. Um, I live in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. So you, you you managed to reach all the way over to the most isolated city in the world and have a massive fan. All my friends are fans of yours as well, uh, back back way back when, when you with the boss man, RTC, everything. So I just want to let you know that you have fans from down under here and I hope you're so proud of what you accomplished in not only your wrestling career, but in life as well. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, just, you know, in closing, I just, everybody that's ever been a fan or whether you cheered me or booed me, you know, uh, I hope you, uh, you got your money's worth and I hope you enjoyed it. And, you know, um, that's what we're doing this for. You know, it's, it's, you know, if, if there weren't for you guys, you know, we would just be out there in an empty arena in a ring. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't work without you guys. So, you know, the, the appreciation is mutual. Awesome. Bull. Well, thank you again. And thank all of you out there for joining us here on the insider's edge podcast. I'm California. This is my new friend, Bull Buchanan. And we will see you down the road. Thank you. Network, that's the way we play. Good God Almighty. Network, that's the way we play. Get puppies. Network, that's the way we play. Get All of paid for by the WZWA Network.